various bits of Indian food. Some curries, some rice, some uh, naan bread. It'll be nice. That sounds delicious. It is. There's a pizza place near where <laughs> I used to live that did. No, 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 no. Because I this I'm, I'm segueing it back pizza. in. Where... Yeah. Exactly. Butter okay. chicken pizza. But but not just butter chicken pizza. They just used the butter chicken sauce for all of their pizzas. Right. You could get a ham and pineapple and it would have the butter chicken sauce instead of a pizza sauce. So it was absolutely unique. And their their pizza was like one of their pizzas was called Kiwi's favorite pizza. And I have to honestly say, big disagree. <laughs> <laughs> I never had pizza with anything else but tomato sauce. Same. It's super unusual here. It's mm -hmm. quite common here, especially in like places geared towards younger people. Well, yep. for Australia, like, because that's when, you know, this is my formulative pizza years. The real, you know, the real growing up period that anyone does with pizza, you know, the real, the real soul journey of pizza. Um, Australia tends to do a tomato base, but uh, a lot of different sauces on it, like swirls on top. Um, you know, a, a barbecue sauce is quite common on a pizza, but that would be on the top, um, on top of the cheese even, you know, and that would sort of caramelize in with that. And then I remember a satay chicken pizza I really loved and it was the same. So for me, if there is a different sauce on the pizza, it has to be on top in a swirl. If it's not in a swirling pattern, I'll accept like diagonals, but that's it. That's See. it. None of this haphazard stuff. I, I don't I don't like sauces on my pizza. I want a cup of sauce to dip the pizza in. I prefer that too. So that I can get the exact amount of sauce per pizza slice that I want. Because a lot of pizzas, uh, in my opinion, don't actually need like an added sauce, but the crust often does. Because like when I get to the end of the pizza slice and I have like that nice breadstick left, I just want to dunk that into sauce. No. So you have yes. two different meals alongside. No. Spicy garlic yeah. sauce. Yeah, no, 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 no. A sauce can absolutely be part of the flavor profile. Then put it under right? the cheese. Make it part of the flavor profile. No, no, no. <laughs> Some of them do. I like it on top of the cheese before it goes in the oven. But right? then it's extra mess. Be no, it's not because it yeah, caramelizes. It, it caramelizes and it settles in with the cheese. It's not something that's falling off the cheese. No, like, not always. Every time I've no. ever done that, I've gotten sauce on my hands when holding pizza slices. Unless I'm eating it That's with a fork. That's why you eat pizza with knife and fork. I've got a great video about this, by <laughs> the way. You see, I, oh I, I, do that, I do that sometimes. I, I will eat my pizza with a knife and fork, but I don't own a table. So it's almost impossible in my apartment. Unless I'm eating at my computer desk, which I never do. All right. I have, a, I have an idea. Mm. When, you know, it's safe, we all get on a plane to Australia... Go and to PAX Australia? Go to PAX Australia, and then we eat pizza with barbecue sauce, caramelized on top, using Kiri's method. In like 20, 30, right <laughs> or something looking, like that, you know? Looking forward to the um, 
absolute cancellation of Halcyon Frequency by the Italians <laughs> for that one. I'm, I'm still like, why don't why why don't we just do the previous idea, which was instead of everybody goes to Australia, we just all go to Japan and eat pizza there. So you like Japanese, Japanese pizza, pizza is weird. Exactly. Very different. That's the point. Like you, you want like a white cheese sauce with creamed corn and anchovy pizza? You got it. Yeah, and Feta some cheese? sweet stuff on and top olives. as well. Yeah. Like, Dessert pizzas absolutely have a place on on the table. Well, I mean, the, the pizza place up the street from me, Sidekicks, does dessert pizzas perfectly. They just don't make a pizza. They just put a cookie into the pizza pan. Oh, wait, wait. Are you... Are you Nick? No one here has heard of the uh, Vegemite and spaghetti pizza, have they? I have, actually. Wait, what? I've seen no? pictures of this. I've been on this website called 4chan before. I've seen this. No. Uh, have, you, have you ever had was... a raisins and banana slice pizza? No. With no. a whipping cream sauce. No. So, no, 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 no. <gasps> it's actually not pizza. bad. Uh, I think it was Domino's did a pizza with Vegemite on it. Uh-huh. It was All a right. Vegemite and cheese pizza. And the thing for that is a Vegemite and cheese sandwich is like... It's, it's, it's like the Australian PB&J, you know? Uh, it's such a quintessential Australian sandwich. So they brought out this uh, Vegemite and cheese pizza, and it was actually quite nice, except everyone just had this weird internal shudder thinking about it, and it didn't stick around. But it was actually incredibly nice because it was just... You'd get it with, like, I always got it with pepperoni, and that was great, but, um, yeah, they no longer make it anymore, and it's very disappointing. Well, they are still making it, but it's not disappointing. Uh, welcome to this episode of the uh, Halcyon Frequency Podcast, uh, episode 12, airing uh, April 3rd, 2022. I'm blind, and I'm hosting this episode, and I'm joined by Arch, our uh, resident Kiwi pizza expert. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. And um, I'm also an Australian Kiwi. Like, you know, I'm sort of bridging that that border because I'm still weirded out by the fact that a lot of New Zealand pizzas have uh, potato on them. That's not weird at all. FG, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty all right. Um... Though now I'm thinking again about my terrible experience with potato on a pizza and how like 10 of the 12 children who attended that child's birthday party ended up vomiting in the bushes. <laughs> uh. <laughs> because uh, it was homemade pizza and the other two did not eat the potato pizza. So uh, yeah, Th thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Kiri, what is your most scarring pizza-related event? I, I don't know. I always enjoy my pizza. I don't know. You eat it with a knife and fork. I think every event is scarring. Well, that's not jarring for, for me, already. though. For everybody no, else. But I, I'm good. I don't understand why that's so weird. My dad's been, like, eating pizza with a knife and fork, like, as long as I've existed. Like, I, he also eats watermelon with a knife and fork. So, like, you know. Yeah, I don't know. Like... Pizza, supposedly, you've got to eat it with your hands. And then I, also the way I cut it is is what people upsets. 
Kiri, I have a oh, question. Says people. Oh How do you no! Eat a wrap? Oh no! Like, like if if you're given a wrap, like if somebody hands you like a a, a chicken wrap. Yeah. Do no, you I eat hold that in my hand and I take bites out of it, like a normal person. Why don't you slice it, like a sausage? Because then it falls falls apart. Not if you slice it correctly. And put your fork in it first. I I, I, I need to eat wraps. wraps in, like, I will eat how... wraps with a fork and knife sometimes. Okay. I need, no, I can't I need do that. They're too big. I need to hear this cutting style. For the wrap? I or am for the both. Pizza? No, no, for the pizza, the one that actually annoys people. Oh, there's oh, a she video. Has a wonderful video about this. Yeah, yeah, I've got a tutorial on YouTube. You can oh, check it out. No. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. I've done it. I'm it's going thing. to. <laughs> this is. Are we getting a live art reaction to uh, a curious <laughs> pizza tutorial? It is, it is, it is. Because <laughs> this is the best audio podcast you could possibly be listening to. Yeah. Uh, it is I, gaming I, podcast, right? Oh, this is very much I've, video games related. It's pizza. Now we just need to discuss Mountain Dew and the most recent energy drinks they've released, right? No, I, I've just Googled 2D Kiri Pizza and it is the top result. Um, <laughs> I'm glad we got that SEO unlock. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Let's um, let's add some subtitles so I don't have that. And we'll 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 speed up the. Uh... <laughs> I'm 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 honestly concerned about this. That's good. You should be. But also, like, it's not that weird. It just the the thing about the the pizza thing that bothers me is like, if 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 I'm eating pizza by myself, I do much weirder things with my pizza. But. If I was eating, if I was sharing a pizza with somebody and they started cutting into it with a fork and knife the way Kiri does, I would be very concerned being the person eating the other half of that pizza. But if it's a, if it's a personal pizza, then like, go with God, do what you want. That is yeah, pizza. right? If, if it's, if exactly. it's a pizza, like, fold it in half and eat a giant, like, pizza croissant. I don't care. I, I used to, to know a, I used to know a dude who, um, the last time I hung out with him, uh, this was right when Monster Hunter Try came out on the Wii, to give you an idea of when this happened. Um, but I went, we went over there, and we both ordered takeout. I ordered sushi, and he ordered Pizza Hut. And he ordered a unsliced uh, deluxe meat lover's pizza. So just the pizza with every single one of the meats on it, with a stuffed crust. Got it, and he ordered it special, not sliced, so it had, wasn't cut. And he took it, folded it in half, cut it in half down the middle... And then just ate it like a giant sandwich. So, like, you know, do, do what you want with pizzas. It's fine. Okay, I've just watched this video, and I have to say, that's I'm fine with that. It's 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 a um oh it's a type of slice. I think they call it like a tavern slice. Um, I was really prepared. Like when when Kiri started cutting the middle. I expected her to like cut a circle in the middle and lift that piece out <laughs> and just like be like, oh, I just decide which part of the pizza I want and be like, yeah, I want to cut a little bit of the pepperoni, you know, and then just like, <laughs> that's it. But no, no, the way you did it, the way you did it, I have to say is totally okay because my favorite pizza currently comes like that. It also has squiggles of mayonnaise on top. Ugh. Okay. Yeah. I like mayonnaise, but not on pizza. Come on. Not on pizza, no. <laughs> I will have to send a picture next time I get it because it absolutely is really nice. 
I mean, I had I had that in Korea because in Korea you get that quite often as well. They're like like Japan where you have like they're not really random sources, but you'll have like extra sources on top as well, and it's just no, no, I'm not a fan. Like like I said, if if you're gonna put a sauce on a pizza, put it under the cheese where it's supposed to be. If there's sauces on top of the cheese, that's an in, an invasion, and it shouldn't be there. No, just just, just tomato sauce is fine, thank you. <laughs> Everything else is, for me, just not a pizza. I think the the only actual incorrect way of eating a pizza though is scraping off the toppings and eating those separately. The, so yeah. let me tell you yeah. all about my sister. <laughs> okay, go ahead. <laughs> God. All right. My sister has my sister has absolutely disturbed people. She has to get the the lot on a pizza, right? We're talking mushroom, onion, capsicum, pineapple, ham, bacon, pepperoni, all of that. She then scrapes the entire toppings off and just eats the base. And then has a weird hot cheesy salad thing? No. I get the weird hot cheesy salad thing. Wait, so is that put onto your <laughs> pizza? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would take that and I would put it onto my pizza because she's not using it. She's touched it with her hands. She I just basically got... Yeah, oh, the essence, I think, is the way she okay. phrased it. But, um, yeah. I get that. It was... Like... I get that, but that is pathetically wasteful. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not if somebody else eats it. I, not like, not that, if somebody that's... else eats it. But that's if somebody else eats it. Yeah, I've heard since I've left the country, she no longer gets like those ones. She'll just get like a cheese pizza with garlic and chili and then scrape that off, like take the cheese off because the garlic and chili has really strong flavors. But yeah, no, it was, it was, I remember seeing several people watch her, like she wouldn't eat pizza at a friend's place because she knew they would judge her for the way she ate. And, um, is this like a lactose intolerance thing or no, no, she just is weird. (laughs) Like we, we, we could, we could touch on a weekly segment of what's a weird thing that Archer's sister does with food. And we would have content for at least several months. I once carried a jar of pickles to the top of a mountain and ate it. I don't know if that's weird, but. No, that sounds like an absolute, like, did you look at these pickles and go, I want to go to the top of a mountain and eat them? Or were you looking, were you going up there anyways? And you were like, we were going up there anyways. And everybody else was putting weights on their ankles because this was for sports and I didn't have weights. So I put a jar of pickles in my backpack. Yeah, no, that works. That works. That's uh, perfect. Yeah. No, I'm just hearing blind saying, so something was happening and I approached it in my usual fashion. Naturally, <laughs> as you do, I think. That was <laughs> such a like good starting topic. I have no idea where to take this from here. I found I found a place that will uh, ship me uh, up to ten pounds of coffee, but they will only ship uh, once per month and not less or more. And they, it has to be at least three months. And I don't think I can drink ten pounds of coffee in a month. No, you don't want ten pounds of coffee. You want. 200 grams. Uh, I don't know. Hang on. What's the grams to ounces again? 
Um, I don't know why Canada does everything in pounds, but so like, yeah, you basically want seven ounces a week, right? You want it fifteen ounces a week. That's about how much I drink. That okay, like that's a, that's a lot. Yeah, but that's what you want. You want it the frequency at which you consume it. You don't want ten pounds because you're not you're going to wind up with stale old coffee. Yeah, but. It's a challenge. I don't know. <laughs> touch back on the coffee topic from last week. Do you know? Yeah, yeah. It's been a long time since someone's overdosed on caffeine, and by golly, I'm going to give it my run this week. I'm going to try. By. <laughs> I think I need to. If if I did that, I'd fall back into my old caffeine ways. So I don't know what the old caffeine ways are, and right now I'm afraid to ask. Um. 20, I don't think I've ever told this story on the podcast, but I've talked about it many times on the stream. Uh, 2012 until 2015, I worked full-time night shift uh, at McDonald's, everybody's favorite fast food joint. And um, during that time, I was also streaming about 30 hours a week, 30 to 40 hours a week. And I had a two-hour commute for about half of that. Um. So I was sleeping about three and a half to four hours a night, drinking about two to four cans of an energy drink per day. Uh, I was taking caffeine pills as uppers, and I was taking a triple dose of melatonin as downers, and I was drinking between four and eight cups of coffee a day. And I don't think I ate much. I ate like one meal a day, maybe. Your poor body. Yeah, I I just wanted to point out that... You know, you said that you'd love to ask yourself why you like this. I think we've just worked out why. Mm. I'm broken? Your body's still trying to recover. Probably, (laughs) yeah. Probably. Still trying to work out what truck hit it. I mean, to be fair, that ended in like 2015. More or less. It was mostly done by end of 2014, but it, it ended in 2015. I was down to one cup of coffee a day by 2015. That was like one large cup of coffee, so like three normal cups of coffee. Now I just have about three normal cups of coffee a day. That's it. You got to keep those levels like even. And and, and people tell me that I drink too much caffeine now, but it's like, it's, you, you know what it was. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. Just tell them that clearly, you know they've got to take it into perspective and you don't drink too much now because before you drank way too much. Yes. Now I just drink like a slight, like more than average than amount of coffee. Actually, I, I, I might be like over. No. I feel like three cups of coffee a day is like pretty average. That's pretty average that's, for people that drink coffee. I'd say. Yeah. That's pretty standard. Unless you're having like three triple shot mocha, lot vanilla lattes with extra foam and, uh, three sugars. If anything, that's and probably more normal. I mean, I, I drink three black cups of like a normal mug size cup of coffee per day. Yeah, no, that's like a, a dark I mean, roast. So it's lower in caffeine I dare, than a medium roast. I dare say that's almost positively boring in terms of coffee consumption. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but uh, this has nothing to do with coffee consumption. But I think it's time we go to a break. When we come back, we'll we'll talk about the games that we've been playing this week. Hi, this is the Holocene Frequency Podcast, and I am Belanar. You couldn't hear me in this episode, but stick around for the future episodes for some soothing rolling R's. 
Meanwhile, hop over to twitch.tv slash for some building management and strategy games, plus all kinds of variety. Come say hi, and let's go on with the show. And we're back. Once again, this is the Halcyon Frequency Podcast. And uh, we're going to talk about the games that we've been playing this week. I'm blind once again, and I'm joined by FG Squared, Arch Plays Stuff, and 2D Kiri. And FG, uh, talk to me about... Uh, some of that uh, TFC colon the Fertile Crescent. I will. Um, so <clears throat> TFC is a game that came out a couple of days ago. And I first heard about it like when I got an email about three weeks ago. And I was like, huh, this looks interesting. And I kind of like I'm most, mostly intrigued by the graphics because the graphics are super retro. But it is a modern rts like well it's a it's an rts it's a retro inspired rts uh set in mesopotamia aka the fertile crescent yeah i i don't know i don't know was it if it was the graphics because like i don't know like the, there was something about it that appealed to me because i like mm-hmm. rts games and the, the the graphics remind me a lot of like the games that played when i was growing up I but think obviously, it's the nostalgia. Yeah, me. yeah, that is that too. But it's it's kind of like um, I don't know. It is it is still like it's not like in the retro game, right? Because it's 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 got clear, like mm-hmm. the the pixel pixel art is like clear and like, you know it's it's modern it, it's resolutions crisp. that sort of stuff. Um, it, it's a very crisp, like modern pixely interpretation of what those games looked like. I think. Whereas those, yeah. those older games, like older Age of Empires was going for more realism. This is definitely like cartoony pixels, but it's like if somebody looked at like Age of Empires and Stronghold won a whole lot and was like, all right, how do we do this? But like brighter and colory or color. Yeah. That's, that's a word. Color or colored? Color? Colorful. More colorful? Yeah. Colorful. That's the word I'm looking yeah. for. It's what you remember AOE being. Yeah. You know, yeah. when you sit there and think back on it, you're like, oh, yeah, it was just like this. Except when you load up AOE, you're like, oh, it wasn't. Oh, it's much, it was much clunkier. No, um, <laughs> so it's that. It is a definitely a small indie game. Like, it's it's definitely like you can tell it's indie, but um, it so far has um, two single player modes, which is just versus AI or a uh, hot survival mode. Port uh, mm-hmm. mode, Which is um, mandatory for RTSs these days. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of a lot what they do, uh, and it also already has multiplayer. I did not play multiplayer; I've only played uh, the single player, both versions. Um, the game's pretty hard. Like, I kind of got my butt kicked on beginner. Like, Horde mode was really hard. I just failed. Um, my my game on on easy that I played, like no, on beginner, not on easy, on beginner. Uh, I won after like 35 minutes. <laughs> um, but I, I really enjoyed it. It's clearly not finished because it's early access. It clearly has some some um, work still left to do. Because like, for example, like selecting um, fighting units felt really awkward. And selecting vill- villagers felt really awkward to me for some reason. Um, but I, I enjoyed the gameplay a lot and I really hope that more people pick this up 
And I really want a campaign because I think a campaign mm-hmm. could be really fun. So I I really like the kind of mechanical ideas that this game has. Um, the, the I think kind of my favorite thing that it does is the way its food works. The the food economy in in this game, for for clarity's sake, it only has one faction. And I've I've seen some pe- other people saying like, oh, you need to add other eight, other um, factions to it, but which would make no sense because the game takes place in Mesopotamia. So it's like you kind of you're kind of limited. I guess like you could have like a different tribe or something that has like a slightly different weapon variety, but it yeah. kind of d- wouldn't make a lot of sense to have too many different factions in this. Um, but what what I do really, really like about it is the way it does food. Food is not like a number. Like in Age of Empires, when you, you uh, a unit costs X amount of food, you pay the uh, resource cost for that unit, and then you get that unit. In this, a unit costs X amount of food. Once you have that unit, you then have to pay uh, continued payments of food for that unit to continue having that unit. To the point where, like, I would throw my army at the enemy base in the skirmish mode just to burn off, like, my food costs because I didn't have, like, the, like, upkeep to be able to maintain that many soldiers, which is kind of messed up. But, like, it's it's got some really interest, like, an interesting mechanical idea there. Another thing that's tied into the food mechanic is your uh, tech tree. So when you have a surplus of food, there's a little bar that fills up that starts to tick up as you have... Uh, positive food numbers. When that bar fills up, you get a, a research point, which then can be spent on your tech tree. Um, so I think that that's a really interesting set, like idea to have. Um, combine that with your uh, home base, your little town center, um, is just constantly building uh, villagers. Like y- you don't actually have to click the build villagers button. So you just click on a right click on a farm and they'll automatically repopulate farms. You can right click on a tree and they'll automatically go cut trees. So there's a little, it's a little bit easier on the player micro wise in that way. I think the tricky mechanic that makes this game feel so difficult is the uh, food system because I it took me a couple of matches to kind of wrap my head around it. And I've seen some people complaining that the AI is very difficult and FG also mentioned this. I do think that the AI is challenging. Um, I've only managed to finish the game on beginner and the one right above beginner, which I think is normal. Um, mm. But it's like the entire game is centered around that food economy, which I think feels very stronghold in a positive way. So to yeah. me, it's almost more of like a, and combine that with like, you can put dudes on towers, which is really strong, like ridiculously strong. Um, it's, it feels a lot more like a stronghold game when you get deeper into the kind of the nuance of it. But I, as a game right now, I think it's really cool. I do have a few small gripes with the visuals um, as pretty as it is and as much as it kind of ticks all of the right nostalgia points in my brain um things like when they're gathering um fruit from the fruit trees um which is like your berry bushes equivalent there is no animation mm-hmm. like they just kind of idle next to the fruit bushes i wish that they would like pick stuff because there's an upgrade that you can get later on where where they can carry twice as much and when you tick that upgrade they actually get little buggies that they pull behind them to signify that they're carrying twice as much stuff, which looks awesome. And I love that visual flair. So there are places where the game has like these lovely little visual details. And then there's places where it's weirdly lacking in them. And yep. I'd, I'd love to see a little bit more in like some of the more small animations, um, specifically the, the berry bushes. Cause like, that's the one spot where like, I kind of was like, I'm not sure if this is actually working right now or if they're just idling. Um, all that being said, though, I think it is a really lovely little base for an RTS, and I can't wait to see it expanded. Yep, same. 
I, yeah, that's no, pretty I, interesting. It was on my radar and it's been in my wish list, but I never really got around to getting it because I was like, I can wait. But hearing it's based in the Mesopotamia area, like, I I love all of the history before, like, even the Bronze Age and stuff in that area. Yeah, it's that pretty cool. Sounds, yeah. And the music yeah, slaps. It's, <laughs> it's, yeah. It's got, it's, the, there's, um, uh, in the Horde mode, the final wave has, like, a breakbeat drum and bass remix of the main game theme, which is kind of awesome, actually. <laughs> Like it, it, it hits hard when it goes. Yeah, so. you know, you you know what you said, like as well. Like, it has, even though it's obviously like totally not the same time, but it has, it has, like it, it made me feel so much like I was playing Stronghold Crusader. Yeah, mostly because of the how you have Cult. to place your farms. In the area where there's actual green and that sort of mm-hmm. stuff, like I don't know, like it, ah, oh, it was just such a, ah, oh, it was such a good clay pits only vibe. go on a particular tile. Yeah, like you have to think about where you're placing your walls. Walls don't go down on certain types of ground tiles. So like, there's like, uh, the softer the or the greener the grass is, the um, certain types of buildings can be constructed there. So like, you can't build your walls over a marsh. You have to go around the marsh. Yep, little things like that, and it's. As a competitive game, because I, I haven't touched the multiplayer and I probably never will unless somebody wants to do like fun games or something. But as a multiplayer game, I can see where the strategy would be there too because it's very much like a map control resource game because all of the resources are very densely packed into like these little oasises that are scattered around the map with large swaths of desert in between. It's like the desert, you can do all sorts of big constructions. You can build housing. You can uh, build your wonder. You can do all kinds of things on or your, your temple. You can do all kinds of things on the on the sand, but you can't do any farming. So you can't get food from that. So you have to control a chunk of sand as well as a chunk of grassland. And then once you start to run out of wood and you start to run out of resources, because like everything is like a constant tick and clock of like constantly needing to churn through resources because the way food works, then you have to spread to the next like resource spot. Like it's, it's, it's neat. Like it's, there's strategy there. There's like surprising depth to it for such a simple RTS. Game for now. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I can't wait to see what else they come up with. That's kind of the, the Fertile Crescent. Um, I'm just looking at the list of games we have here. Uh, Kiri, do you want to talk about Weird West? Yeah, sure. Weird West came out last week by the time... No, wait, this week by the time you hear the podcast. I'm confused. So it's a dark fantasy reimagining of the Wild West. It's an RPG game with a living world and it's really really cool because decisions matter choices matter you can basically do anything you want you can kill everybody you can also play a non-violent playthrough you can pet animals you can steal things there's a reputation system so if you do things and nobody sees them you know no reputation change at all but if you do good things and people watch you while you do that then you get positive reputation. If you kill innocent people, you get negative reputation. There are so many things you can do by interacting with the environment. Like, for example, you can heal with bandages or by cooking food and eating that. But you can also pierce every single cactus and drink cactus juice or eat cactus fruit that you just find 
randomly in the oh, desert. I'm, I have I'm, seen so many cactus juice memes yeah. lately, and I had <laughs> no clue why everyone was being like, huh, what a uh, weird West, am I right? And uh, <laughs> I did not realize that. I'm really yeah, my so this is, is just, why. I was running around and constantly piercing every every cacti that I could find because I was just too greedy to actually use the items that I had. And it's it's amazing. Like it's a great dark and gritty atmosphere. It's very gory though. I found it spooky at times, but then I just startled very easily. But like the atmosphere is amazing. The story that's being told is incredible. And it's it's just very dark fantasy. Like I I finished the first journey now. It's basically a chapter, and there are five of those. And in each journey, you play a different character, and you get to know more and more about the story. And it's incredible. I'm really curious about this one because it's uh, it's directed by uh, Raphael Colintano. I can't. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Who is uh, the founder um, and ex CEO of Arcane Studios, the people who made Dishonored and Arx Fatalis and Might and Magic: Dark Messiah, also known as the studio that perfected the best kick button in video games. And allegedly, this also has a very good kick button. So the kick button makes me interested in playing this. <laughs> What's the yep. kick button? A button where you press it and it, your foot comes out in front of you and you kick the thing in front of you. Have you never yeah. played Dark Messiah Might and Magic, Arch? No. You would love that game? Anyway, different Oh, I, I am <laughs> so sheltered when it comes to games. You do not <laughs> understand. You, you, you can, in Dark Messiah Might and Magic, you can put ice on the ground and then kick an orc along the ice into four other orcs and then off of the edge of the map. It's wonderful, but off topic. That can... I now know where the skateboarding Legolas scene idea came from then. <laughs> Was well, so in Weird West? There is a kick button. Yes, it's F, Good. and I didn't I didn't find out about it until late in the game, I suppose, or late in me playing it. Um, you can kick, for example, uh, chemical barrels, so poison damage barrels or explosive Good. barrels. Kick it into a group of enemies and then just shoot it once and it explodes and everything goes up in flames and people are running around and it's it's so good. Wow. Okay. This I'm having this game so much fun with it. It's on... absolutely incredible. I've been this told game you can kill every single radar. NPC in this game. Yes. Um, how many have you killed? And how many of them were unintentional? See, I haven't killed any good people. I might have knocked unconscious one or two. Okay. But I haven't killed any that I didn't, like, you know, didn't want dead. Uh, okay. I did shoot my companions, though, because friendly fire exists and sometimes it can get a bit um, hectic at times. Kiri is um, basically using the same defense of another Austrian, of Arnold Schwarzenegger, of, yeah, but they were all bad. <laughs> right? They were just <laughs> running in my line of fire. What could I do? Um, about killing people, though, it, I read that you can actually kill very important people to the story. And also, if you go to just a normal town and you kill innocent people, then you leave and you come back there will be new graves in the graveyard and then you can go there and dig them out to loot them Excellent. in case you haven't looted them yet like it's it's so cool i ran into town that's that's super early where people are just dead lying on the ground in the street and i thought oh no, that's really sad let's just bury them because i have a shovel so i buried two of them and like weeks later there are still the graves in the middle of the road and npcs just go there 
kneel down and pray in front of the graves that I made. It's so impressive. Yeah, I, I like all of this sounds like kind of the best parts of Dishonored and Arx Fatalis, but in like, you know, a top down Wild West perspective. So, I'm yeah, I'm getting a uh, Disco Elysium styles of uh, world building and such as well. Yeah, a bit, a bit. Hmm. Didn't think about that one, but <laughs> a bit. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, I'm, I'm going to jump in next week, I think. I really want to play it as well. That's yeah, what I, was I highly too. recommend it. It, it. The game was out of my budget and I didn't get key, but it's on it's on Game Pass, so mm. mess with that this this week. But um, I'm going to uh, ramble about uh, an open source free to play phone game that now has a paid non free to play Steam version. Um, Shattered Pixel Dungeon. You uh, did that last week. But you can talk more about it. <laughs> yeah, I, I've gotten deeper into it, so I'm just going to talk about it real quick. Shattered no, Pixel go, go, go Dungeon um, just keeps getting better in my mind. Um, initially, like I was a little bit kind of, eh, this is underwhelming, but also kind of okay. And the deeper I get into it, the more I'm kind of finding the layers of strategy that that game has. And it's, to just kind of put it very simply, this... It follows what I what I refer to as broke logic, where every single thing, every I, every single puzzle in the game is solvable with an item that the game gave you previously. So you know how, like, when you go into a big RPG, you're like, "Man, I'm going to need these health potions, so I'm I'm not going to use them," and then you don't end up needing them. If you get mm -hmm. a potion, even if it's not identified, you're going to need it either on the floor next to you, the floor that you're on currently, or the floor after, and you need to figure out what it does within that period of time to be able to use it for that thing. And every time you show up make it to the boss if you're doing this correctly you'll have all of the gear that you need to kind of progress and uh that game firmly has its hooks in me and i'm very very much enjoying it so that's kind of my follow-up for shattered pixel dungeon that's nice that sounds really good yeah arch do you want to talk about why you don't like early access games and why cork keeper is good or bad or yeah no it's absolutely amazing i i got around to getting it and trying it out because I've seen people playing it but I didn't pay much attention and I I was talking with a mate and we were like what game should we play and he's like oh I saw Core Keeper so we got that it's been so long since we 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 we, we hit a period and we're like okay no this is good po point to take a breather I'm gonna go get a drink and I'll come back and you go to get a drink and you sit down and you realize it's 5am and you've been playing for the past seven hours. <laughs> and I absolutely love it. I love Core Keeper. It feels really good. It's great as a multiplayer because that really does feel like people can take on roles and such. And I've always loved that. But it's so limited in terms of content. And this is where my personal grievance with early access game games come comes when you jump into an early access game and you fall in love with it and you play through all of that content i i kind of find it hard to come back you know um and when they they update it later and there's, there's more content and or, or or something and i 
go to play it and it's just, you've still got to slog through that first chunk that you've already done. And to me, that's always been a struggle. And that's why I struggle with early access games because, you know, it's like getting the demo for a game, playing that to death and then being like, oh, I'm so, you know, I've already just burned myself out on the game. So the full game, (laughs) I kind of find myself unable to fully enjoy. And, you know, that's happened with a few times. Um, My time at Porsche was one that did it to me. Um, uh, Kinseed uh, did it, but I'm slowly getting back around to that. But uh, yeah, I can see this happening exactly with Corekeeper as well. Basically, I've enjoyed the 16 hours I played with a friend. But, you know, we're kind of sitting there and going, if more content comes out, I can't see us diving back into it. And yeah, maybe it's maybe it's just a me thing when it comes to early access games. But when I want to get into a game, I want to play it start to finish and the whole content and just be like, okay, that was great. That's the chunk. I can't keep coming back to a game and getting drip fed the content, which he says after playing Stardew Valley and admitting to playing it for (laughs) however Mm -hmm. many years it's been out. But yeah, it's just very strange and... Like, I loved Corekeeper, but I honestly can't see myself, like, jumping back in and starting from scratch when more content, like, more future content for it drops. It's definitely not just you. I have the same feeling. Same. So, because you were not playing it on stream, right? You were just playing no. it with a friend off stream. Correct, yeah. Yeah, I've got the same thing. Like, Prison Architect, for example, was one of those games for me. I... Bought it super early on in early access, and I played like every update, and it was amazing. And then um, the, the longer it was in development, the less I played it. Then version one was out, and I just never played it again. If it's a game yeah. that I stream, I mean, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll play the early access when early access drops, and then maybe one or two big updates, and then when it releases as version one. But just for me, I just nah. I'd rather just wait until the game is finished and then play it. There absolutely, that is for me as well. There are games that I've bought in early access as sort of like, no, that's going to sit in my library till it's done. Yeah, yep, I have same. those. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to play devil's advocate on this for a second here. I find that there's a particular style of early access game. And I, to preface this, I have no interest in Core Keeper. I, I don't like that style of game loop. Um, but there is a certain type of early access game for me that I actually prefer to full released games, um, because it gives me a reason to go back to it. If a game releases and it's 1.0, I can sit down and play a game for 40 hours and then forget it exists and move on, right? Which realistically is probably what's going to happen with Shattered Pixel Dungeon. But a game that releases in early access and has meaningful updates at not a super frequent cadence, but like a reasonable cadence, um, I will end up putting significantly more time into it than I would otherwise, and often end up enjoying the game a lot more. As an example, I've been playing uh, like 60 hours of Caves of Cud once every eight months for the past four years. Um, 
and I'm just going to continue doing that because every time they put out a major update, it changes the game enough and adds enough new stuff to the game that it's a reason to go back. It's like getting an expansion pack for a game that's finished that you love. Um, I, so I, I wonder I, if that's like the key there. It's, you know, <clears throat> releasing on early access. You have to release content often enough to keep the people playing going and keep the people coming back because... Like, Caves of Cud is a roguelike, correct? Mm -hmm. So, every time, it doesn't, it doesn't matter if you've loaded it 10 times that day, or not for 10 months. But if you're playing a game that has a story and progression, if you get through the first three or four chapters, and then 10 months later, chapters five to six drop, Mm -hmm. you either got the option if you start again you've just got to play through all the content you've already played through previously or you load up a save where you don't remember what's going on you you're you're not in that that flow state and that's jarring so i think that yeah like when it comes to roguelikes when it comes to games that you can sort of just launch up and go like that there's a very different feel to versus games that have a stronger sense of progression yeah and and i get a sense of progression from core keeper um you know especially the way that okay getting copper getting tin getting iron fighting those bosses i see content that comes out being set after those bosses which means when you start you have to get copper get tin get iron fight those bosses and that's a significant time investment. It's not built around quick replayability that, that sort of carries that vibe. It, it, it's funny that you say that because I've seen Valheim kind of run into similar issues. Like, I, I know a Absolutely. few people that have stuck with Valheim, um, but those people are very much the minority, and those are the people who play Ark Survival Evolved for three months mm -hmm. when there's an update. Then they play next game or uh, i don't know rust for three months and then they play valheim for three months and then they kind of circle like that like those are the people who are playing that still um but kind of the mass audience that was playing it initially just has stopped there so are... it's kind of funny i'm just going to because yeah um like i 100 percent agree with both of you there are certain genres if done well early access is amazing we all know those early access games that have just been either in early access, they had so much content that you could just play like bajillion hours of it. Like for example, Dyson Sphere program. My first playthrough of Dyson Sphere program in early access was like 70 plus hours. That's a lot of content for early access All games that come out with a limited scope but every time they add an update there is more stuff to do and it complicates things and there's a new system introduced like for example RimWorld, Oxygenaut included but all of those games share to some extent what type of game they are, they are sandboxy games where you make your own story basically or you make your own challenges or whatever to progress through the content I agree 100% with you. Core Keeper, for example, I touched it because I streamed it, my community enjoyed it. I will not touch that game and come till, until it comes out again because I'm sick and tired of early access and 
incredibly slow development and it's just I'm just getting to that point where I have early access fatigue in a way yeah I think um like Kinseed is a fantastic example I think because it's been like what f four years now in early access Kinseed's been a very slow development a long time yeah, yeah for that example was also like purchasable on their website for before a yeah while. yeah yeah one yeah one thing to their their credit though and this is something that always stuck with me and probably like argues to the power of social i tweeted that i was debating between a couple of games to play on stream and um kinseed actually replied saying you're probably better off waiting for a little bit longer for, for kinseed so there's more content and you know i always thought that that was great but yeah especially like with kinseed because that's one that i keep coming back to going how's it going and mm. it's just sort of sitting there, you know, you can see development work is on it, but it's just so slow. And yeah. um, Valheim had the same issue. Oh, yeah. 100%. Valheim was amazing and then took a over a year to release the first actual or was it a year or was it nine months to release? Nine months, the I want to say. Yeah, actual content piece. And, you know, you can understand small dev studio, they kind of got absolutely blindsided, but it shouldn't take nine months to to be putting out next content, you know, if regardless of whatever you're doing, if whether you're a hit sensation or not, early access is not Oh, we'll put it out and then we'll get around to updating it. It's it it needs to be constantly updated and constantly feel fresh. They they did do a bunch of seasonal events in Valheim. I think the problem with Valheim was that it there's the early access uncovered a bunch of like unex I I think unexpected errors and issues with the way they built the game and also the way the player base played it, which made them have to rebuild a large chunk of their engine. I think that kind of threw a wrench into their production queue, but like. I, I don't disagree with anything you just said. <laughs> Completely agree. Yeah. And I think um, also something that, um, like, the wider gaming sphere is also a thing. Like, people have been burned so much by early access as well that it's really hard for people to, like, lean into and trust a new game in early access. Like, yeah. I will always... I know I will always... If I, if I actually go and buy an early access game, I want to make sure that before I do that, I get a sufficient amount of hours out of a game that I don't feel burnt by the price. Like, if it's an early access game, but I play it like this is a program for 70 hours, and I spent like, what, 15 pounds on it? So like $20. That's fine. That's, that's, that's great value. That's awesome. I had my fun with it, and then I can move on, even if it if it were to never get finished, which is not the case with DSP. I'm just bringing mm. it up, like as a game that has content. But um, I have played early access games that that were an engine demo. Like yes, you could it, run around, yeah. you could swing a weapon, maybe could a harvest, like I don't know, do like two quests, and that was early access. And it's like. There are early That's, access games yeah. and then there are early access products with a plan. It sounds yeah. to me like, like you know, always pay for what the game is. Yeah, don't, not what it wants to be. Yeah. 
Um, and you know, like like I said, I I've admitted to buying an early access game because in the future it'll be something that I want to play. But even still, that's like you know um, things like uh, Satisfactory. You know, I bought that in early access because one, it was great, but two, because I knew that updates were going to come and it was going to be great. Divinity? But there's also early. Sorry, no, go ahead. Yeah. I, didn't want to, I didn't want to interrupt. <laughs> no, that's fine. I was just going to say there's always ones that you buy that turn out disappointing and just haven't mm. gotten the updates that they either deserve or they promised. The first and, game. Yeah. <laughs> we, we clearly have a lot to talk about, so blind, go ahead. <laughs> okay, I was just going to say two other, or another style of game that I don't think any of us here have mentioned that I think works really well in early access is like colony builders like RimWorld mm. because uh, I, I, Dwarf Fortress has been essentially in early access since 2006. So like it's still alpha 0.5. Uh, Songs of Six is a game that I've apparently put 70 hours into, which I hadn't realized, which I put about 30 to 50 hours in every major patch. And RimWorld was a game that I put 2,000 hours into it before it hit 1.0. Yep. Like, I, I think the only one out of all of those games that I've really played a lot, the only two out of all of those games that I've really played a lot of that, like, didn't stick, maybe three, actually, is Starmancer, Space Haven, and um, mm. uh, King Under the Mountain. But King Under the Mountain is just too bloody early, unfortunately. And yeah. Starmancer and Space Haven, neither of them really grabbed me very much. Yeah, but to be but even fair, those, I still got good time in them. I'm gonna say something that's gonna get me lynched. Go nuts. Colony builders are just long form roguelikes. Well, they're not you know? <laughs> roguelikes. They're colony builders. Um, they're no, small yeah, scale yes, city builders, sir. I, I'm talking. I'm talking a game that sense? you have to be willing that at some point you're going to lose it all, and you're going to start again from scratch. Depends you on know? if you're saving. That's Unloading. Yeah, Stark it depends Yoma on if you're so, is so much fun. Yeah. No, it's that, not. The, the biggest really? thing that has burned me out of Rimworld is early game. Well, that's because Rimworld really? doesn't want you to have fun. I like that the most, to be me honest. Me too. No, no. Yeah. There is a reason why I am in mid to late with the hot potato because I don't like the early game. The early game to me, in all colony builders, this, this is not just Rimworld. The early game to me is the incredibly boring part. I love getting to the point where you need to look at optimizing and you need to look at preparing for the final push. That is the part that I really enjoy. And yeah, like I have debated because, you know, um, I stream RimWorld almost exclusively for a year. I think we've all had that phase here. Um, I've debated going, okay, I want to play a colony off stream, build it up to the point that I'm actually in that bit that I really like, and then go from there. Because the start of it, and the start of all colony builders to me, are the most boring bits. Completely opposite. Like, I have had streams of RimWorld doing, um, like... Naked and afraid on the ice sheet. And they've been, it's been eight hour streams of just starting over. And that was like probably one of my favorite like RimWorld experiences, just starting over and over and over <laughs> and over and trying to survive with your poor little naked person on the ice. So, ah. Oh. Yeah, I feel that. I really <laughs> like starting over. Yeah. 
Oh no! Just it 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 it, it, <laughs> it gives me the the unpleasant shivers. You should, Arch. You should just play Dwarf Fortress. Join me in the dark side. No. Build I'll, a giant I'll fortress, and, and then build another I giant need, fortress, and then go back to the I first need giant graphics. fortress and visit it. I and need art. Just, just go and just go install the tile set. Fatalinger's tile set has here, more pixels than the official one. I'm not here to play the Matrix. It's got seven thousand <laughs> sprites in it, dude. But okay. I just Join. watching you play the Matrix is like that scene from the Ma- uh watching you play Dwarf Fortress is like that scene for the Matrix. Yeah. Blonde, redhead. If, if this was a video yeah. podcast, I'd stand up and leave. <laughs> <laughs> see see my, right. my biggest issue with current Dwarf Fortress isn't even the ASCII art. It's the UI. And that's why I'm waiting for the Steam version because the UI is gonna get a get a lift, get a facelift, and I'm looking forward to that. Can I just ask though, who here is secretly afraid that when you know when we play Dwarf Fortress, Blind's gonna be sitting there raging at us for doing it wrong? <laughs> no, I think he's gonna rage in quiet. Why would I rage? Does he <laughs> rage in quiet? So I'm already the know. one who plays Dwarf Fortress weird, and I'm aware of this. <laughs> like the community Actually, rages think... at me for the way I play it, <laughs> because I don't. I think Blind's gonna be just hack. Just really happy that we're all playing it, then even if we have to wait for the Steam version. I just yeah. want to see more than a hundred people watching Dwarf Fortress. For his birthday, we should just all stream it. <laughs> I mean, for my birthday, you should raid me because I will be raising money for charity, like I do on my birthday every year. But streaming it's also an option. And I'll probably well, we be using a tile set that's just a picture of my face again. That was a nightmare flesh fortress. You want to see Dwarf Fortress be unplayable? Take a picture of your face and use that as a tile set. No, thank you. God, that sounds like a torture dream. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. What were we talking about? Right, Early video games. access games. Um, but no, I, I actually have, I, ha- I actually also have to say something and uh-huh. still about early access games. Fun fact, this is just a fun fact. The first game I ever bought in Early Access, I got super burned by. Uh, who remembers Starforge? Um, so that was bought, great. I bought Necro. Mm, I bought That's Starforge. not even available anymore, I, although I don't think Starforge is either. Starforge isn't either, no. And the funny thing is with the Starforge uh, devs, Code Hatch, they, they, they released exists. that, aban- abandoned it, Took it off the Steam store page, and they did it all over again with Reign of Kings. The next Isn't Reign of Kings 2 out? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe? <laughs> and then the- I actually... I've just checked. I have Starborch, and I've played 20 minutes of it. Oh, I, I played a bit more of it. Oh, no, Reign of Kings you can apparently still buy. Surprisingly. I didn't know that. And can- the, the, that developer put out that other game heat which looks kind of racist but that's besides the point mm. oh that one yeah true um what else i wanted to say um games that don't really work in early access in my opinion at all are story heavy games like yeah, um, vi- early access visual novels divinity original <laughs> sin 2 like i bought that game as soon as it came out 
didn't play it until it came out. Like, full and full release. Because I, I, I wanted to support the developers because Divinity Original Sin was amazing. But I, I'm not playing through the story over and over and over again to get to the new bits and whatnot. I played through all of the content in the original early access release of Proteus in November 2020, and I'm not going to touch that game again until it hits 1.0. Yeah. Because I, do I don't want to play one new level in an FPS game once every three months. I just want to that, blast through that whole game in a day. That's what I do with that's what I do with most early access games that I touch on stream. I play them once when they came out, come out, and then I jump back in when they're actually hitting 1.0 release because you like you like the sommelier of um i probably mispronounced that the sommelier of uh early access games you know you swirl them around you inhale them and there's ah okay that's a nice early access game that can wait until it ripens and yeah. then put it down and, and then wait till it comes back and then enjoy the full rich body of or weep at what it has become. Except for War Tales, huh? <laughs> I was about to say that. <laughs> I was literally starting it. I was like, I War, War, War Tales. That I really disliked it. If she comes back to like every month, I don't know. FG, no, 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 that's, no, that's the thing. Yeah, that's the thing. Um, War Tales, for me, I know I know some people here didn't really like it all that mm, much. Fine. But, like, um, War Tales, for me, is one of those games where everyone is different. You make a new group and you make you do different things. And the thing is, I actually for the new because it had a new update come out with a whole new region. Um, level cap is raised. Um, there are animal skills now. They can learn things. You have new things that you can place at the um, uh, at the campfire. Uh, new skills, new enemies, um, new factions, uh, new recipes, like like a bajillion new items, like a lot of stuff. And I actually went back to my very first group that I did, that I played the majority of my time with, which is like, I think by now, 50 hours. That's a lot of, first of all, that's a lot of content for early access. And I still haven't done everything that you can do in that game, in that one save file. And um, it, it, that War Tales for me falls into that into, into that type of game where so far each big up like I mean this is the first big update the other one was just a quality of life update um, it gives you enough good stuff to sink another twenty thirty hours into the game because yes I've played this now the the new the new stuff for like twelve hours ish thirteen. I have seen a fraction of the new area and I've I'm like three to four levels away with my dudes from like level cap and all that sort of stuff like this is one of those games where each update is so significant that it's worth to jump in again also fast because the game came out in December had a quality of life update in um, uh, late December and now three months later then first big DLC with uh, not DLC, sorry, update with new area and loads of new things. And yeah, so I don't know. What I'm hearing is is there the um the early access done right that we're yeah. talking about versus yeah. But then to be fair, it is also a, a, from a developer that I have that I that I 
that I m mostly trust with their games. <laughs> and it's a developer that's done multiple early access games in the past. They have a track record. They have a track record. Uh, one of them I don't think was very good, uh, but yeah, they have other games that are uh, that are good. Yeah, but it was more of a we call this now done, and then we kind of a little bit sweep it under the rug and look, do oh. shiny game. <laughs> In a way. It's not abandoned. It's not abandoned. We just finished it. Exactly. Differently. It's just finished poorly. Like I mean, it's still a, yeah. it's still a track record, you know. Right? Yeah. Like, no. No. What uh, James that started making it had a breakdown. Bon appetit. Yeah. No. But yeah, I I I went back into War Tales. To be fair, I went back mostly. Be I was gonna not stream it, but I had a sponsorship for it, so I streamed it. Um, but. I was going to play the new content for sure. It looked like a lot of fun. Like, you know, I don't play a lot of games personally. Um, I tend to be a focus on one game and play that until my arms fall off. But that was one that I was watching you play and I was like, this is a lot of fun. I could see this being something that I actually pick up at some point. Because it's, it's, it's another one of those make your own story type stuff. You have your band of Roman dudes... And you just make your own story. Also, fun fact, they have a new updated um, roadmap uh, for for spring where there's new stuff coming in. And they're putting in co-op mode as well in summer, which is going to be pretty cool, I think. That sounds interesting, actually. Mm -hmm. Up to four players, which is pretty cool. All right. And Who do you know how it's going to work? Like, will everybody have one one band of people? Uh, I, I feel like Everybody would either have a band or everybody would play one character. Yeah, I, I, I would. I don't know. It doesn't say because it's just oh. on their roadmap. I would assume you divvy up the characters kind of like you do maybe in Divinity. Yeah. Or like, probably. um. Or you just, or, or you have four roaming bands. That would be cool. Four roaming bands in the world doing It'd be things cool together. If you could team up. If, you can. If you can team up and take part in the same fights, that would be awesome. Yes, you can. It already says in the roadmap, on on co-op, up to four players, help each other during fights, camp together, share the loot or not. Ooh. Okay. Well, that sounds interesting. It is interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, something so, to keep yeah. an eye on at the very least. Yes, for sure. Like, yeah, no, what else totally gets, gets a thumbs up from me. Um. So, on the topic of things to keep an eye on, um, I'm going to talk about Quasimorphosis Exordium for a second here. Um, you got what? Exactly. Uh, which, aside <laughs> from having the biggest mouthful of a name that I think I've ever seen in my life, um, before I even talk about what the game is, I'm just going to talk about what is the situation with the game. So it's a small team of Russian developers that all have day jobs. Um, so the game is free. And they are basically pitching it as a, this is our sales pitch to publishers slash funding. Um, they were debating on whether or not they should sell it as a very cheap game or whether or not they should release it for free. And then sanctions happened so they wouldn't be able to get paid anyway. So they just kind of threw their hands up and put it out for free and they're trying to build a community with it. It's a, well, it's a me game. So it's a uh, top-down, procedurally generated, turn-based, traditional roguelike. Um, it's a science fiction theme kind of in the vein of like an event horizon or an alien. Um, very horror ho kind of thing. Um, to the point where I like actually, like there's some 
procedural like environmental storytelling that actually like creeps me out a little bit like you'll walk into a room in the ship and there will just be like bodies like upside down taped to walls and stuff which is with like the innards spilling out like it's very graphic and violent like it's it's well done in that kind of sense um i have some problems with the balancing and rng but i probably will be ironed out um from a gameplay sense it's got a really interesting health system um in that you have a hunger meter that ticks down and you can find food and canned food in the environment the hunger meter that ticks down um if it gets below a certain threshold you start taking damage and if it's above a certain threshold you have health regen so you also have your health bar which is separate and an infection meter infection is stuff that you can get from getting scratches or bites from enemies infection can be fixed with antibiotics and certain types of food and other types of food and makes infection worse um so that it kind of makes the whole act of playing your character a little balancing act fighting the enemies assuming you're at the right distance can be pretty trivial. They fall down pretty quickly, but the second something gets into melee range with you, it's an immediate threat. I, I think that the way the combat is built in the game is actually really compelling and fun once you kind of figure out how the game is presenting it all to you, but I think that the actual interesting thing that the game has going for it right now is its theme and style, because there isn't a lot of traditional roguelikes like this one. The only one that I can really think of off the top of my head would probably be um either a jupiter hell or an infra arcana um because infra arcana has a very similar kind of oh that's a bad thing i need to run away from that infra arcana is also a, a free to play um like horror roguelike uh which has been around for ages so I, I don't, this is a weird one to recommend right now because it is kind of a free vertical slice of a thing that might become a bigger game and might suddenly become as a game for sale or turn into a prologue for another game that they'll sell. I, I don't know. Um, it's in a weird spot. So I, I kind of hesitate to recommend it right now unless you're just like, oh, I need to go try this because I will play every roguelike like my brain does. <laughs> it, it definitely sounds like it. Regardless of what it becomes, it's got an interesting history in the making yeah. of it, you know? It's it, not it's, just, oh, this is another roguelike released by this. It's going to be, oh, this came out at this time and, and had this story. It's a unique roguelike with a kind of interesting premise in a theme that I really enjoy. Um, there is, like, I have some issues with the writing. Just as an example, like, it's very clearly not written by English speakers, um, they, like, if you played Doom 2016, you know, kind of the, um, hologram of dudes standing there preaching how, like, oh, if you're in case of demonic invasion, hide under your desk, and that kind of, like, comedic writing, they try and do that, but it falls really flat. Like, they try and have, like, that kind of corporate overlord, um, screw the old world and screw democracy kind of thing corporations is all that matters and then it, you walk into a room and there's bodies all over the walls so like that it's it's the kind of horror that they're going for but like the writing is so blunt it feels forced and not in a good way um to the point where i just i it's i find it hard to read um if that's what they're going for then they're hitting it perfectly but i'm not certain <laughs> that that's what they're going for um so it, there are elements of that game that I think are 
borderline genius and then elements that are really poorly designed. So I'm kind of, I'm, I'm curious to see where it is in six months and I'll check in with it. And if they keep updating that version or if they end up, to, or whatever they end up doing with it. So. Herm, what is um, Noara the Conspiracy, Kiri? Yeah, I had a sponsorship for that, so hashtag ad. Um, it, it was, it was interesting. I had a lot of fun playing it, but why I just stop now is because it's such a mix of genres. It's a bit difficult to understand. So I'm trying to explain. Um, developers call it a mocha genre, a multiplayer online chess arena game. There is <laughs> coffee again. <laughs> there is no chess in it though, so I'm not sure why they call it that. Basically, it looks a bit like League and Team Four Tactics, Team Fight Tactics, and you have three faces. So it's it's competitive. Uh, you can't play against AI, so you have to queue up and then play against other people. And you have a management face where you buy your characters and items then you have an offensive and a defensive phase. And the goal is to destroy the enemy's stronghold, but also defend yours. And your offensive turn or your offensive phase is turn-based. While at the same time, the enemy has a real-time defensive phase. And then it swaps and it's your time to real-time defend while the other person is turn-based uh, attacking. As How somebody, does that work? Are you following me? As somebody who has no. an offensive phase, I, I can relate to this. <laughs> it's, it's just a lot, but actually I had a lot of fun playing it because while you see the enemy come up to you, you can get your defensive skill ready because every, every character has two offensive skills and one defensive skill. And you can then gamble, you know, the, the enemy is going to attack this character here let's quickly defend or also your defensive skill might actually cause the other uh, character damage. So it's really interesting, but a bit hectic and very stressful because uh, every phase has a time on it. Um, yeah, the different game modes as well. Uh, it's, this looks ambitious. It's, that's it was something, yeah. So it's still on early access, right? And then they wanted feedback from me and, and how they could improve the game. And the developers were super, super nice. And I even played one game with a developer and they carried me hard. It, it was just there's a lot to the game. So it's very overwhelming when you start it. But I actually had fun. It's, I'm, I'm not sure if the game is like... Or if the idea is developed enough. Like if this is actually going to work out, but I'm curious to see where they're going with it. This is really interesting. Like just looking at it as somebody who played way too much League of Legends back in the day, this looks interesting. Same, same. Hmm. I've never played League of Legends, so I'm looking at this game. Good, don't. I have no idea what it's about. <laughs> yeah, I am also not a MOBA person, so I, I think, think this one's a hard pass silly. from me. Yeah, but it's not a MOBA. Yeah, it's a mocha, but clearly. It's a. It's, it's a smoke, yes. Yeah, it's a, but it's, it's it's a lovely coffee, uh, chocolate beverage. <laughs> just, all all just... I want is a, a pina mocha? colada. 
No, no, no. Pina Colada. I want a Pina Colada. UMC. No. Um, no, I'm just not a PvP person, mostly. Like, I, I pick my PvP games very specifically. Yeah, and I, I would I would agree with you with, with, with this. I think this is this is the sort of thing that I would play fun matches against a friend. But I don't think I would want to like is is this teams? Like are you on like a team with other people or is it just one v one? So you can be. The normal mode is two v two. So you can you can team up and then either have a custom match and play against people that you know or play against strangers. But they also have a one v one mode that is way quicker. Where you don't get to decide what heroes you have and what items, you just start with five heroes and four items and go. And that's so much more fun. So I, I enjoy the one you want the most. I just, you know, looking at this, I have a weird feeling that they will develop it a bit more, polish out the idea, and then get bought by Riot and vanish. Mm. That's I don't know, question. so... <laughs> The, the the fantasy like there's there's a huge law world behind it and it's all based on a book oh, that is, is only French, but the book and the story has been in de- oh, the book is out but the story basically has been in development for over fifteen years. Okay. So I'm not sure how much Riot could do there. I mean, yes, the art style it looks very much like League, but that like the whole if, world if... and the concepts—it's been around for a while and there's a book and such. This this is reminding me of another game that I think still exists, that was like this but didn't have the real time element, which I think was three v three, and it was kind of like a had more of an Overwatchy look to it, but seems interesting. I don't know. I don't normally play free to play games, but maybe I'll try this for funsies. Yeah, I should have mentioned it is free to play, so doesn't know how to try. There's a supporter pack for. 20 bucks is there like an in-game store or anything outside of that i see that there's you items can purchase for sale. skins so it was you, you had to purchase it previously but then okay, they listened to community feedback and made it free to play so everybody who purchased it got that pack then that founders pack okay um and you can purchase like a handful of skins but but that's how it's monetized right now all right it doesn't have a huge player base though so queuing up with strangers is going to be difficult depending on your time really mm. they have a discord server though where you can just hop in and ask if people want to play or you get your friends to play as well because that's what i did yeah interesting seems neat i might actually try this yeah it was fun uh all right so the things we have left on here are planet crafter and uh smart factory tycoon i think yeah, me again with games. all the ga- all the games. <laughs> I think Planet Crafter we talked about last week as well too, right? So I'm sure that's fine. no. Did, did we? we? Did we? Oh, we did. I don't we did. We did. Oh, then I can skip. Well, then I'm just do a short. Yeah, we did. We did. Actually, a small addendum. I finished it today. Um, all the content there is in early access. Um, twenty you, hours. You have crafted the planet. Sort of. It's not finished yet. There are no insects currently and no animals and nothing like that. Um, I had fun. 20 hours. Um, definitely fun. This is definitely going to be one of those games that I then won't touch again until it ha- hits, uh, you know, full release. Because uh, doing all the terraforming over and over and over again um, doesn't sound super fun. Theoretically, maybe it would be... I would could I could be convinced to play again during early access if um, old saves are backwards compatible. 
because this is something that I should mention. I, I kind of brushed on it, but I didn't actually talk about it. War Tales, save from back when the game first came out four months ago, are still compatible with a whole new update and there's no issues. I should mention that, which is, I think, a big deal. Because um, then you don't have to go through all the starting things again. Um, like, for example, in Planet Crafter, I wouldn't want to go through all the starting thing again, like, unless I wait until it's out-out. Because, you know, it takes a while for you to, like, find everything and... You have to gather all the resources and that sort of stuff. Um, but no, I had fun with it. It's it's. I'm excited to see where it goes. Uh, the rockets are really fun because you can so you can do this stupid thing. You you later on get a launch pad, and you can build rockets and you you do what you do like in Surviving Mars where you send like rockets like seed rockets up and like rockets that deploy like um, basically like giant like uh, shields that like you know. Um, they're like heat shields and they 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 um gather like they, they bundle all the the heat the, the rays of the sun and they like turn it towards the planet so that like the heat uh, it heats up faster and that sort of stuff and you do that and the rocket is physically there and you can like jump against the rocket and make it go all sorts of wonky <laughs> physics and it just <laughs> flies through your through your base and like tumbles around like it still works but it's just we had a lot of fun with rockets today Perfect. So, yeah, that was a good one. I, I enjoyed it. I'm probably going to wait until it's fully out to play again, but really fun. And then Smart Factory Tycoon. That's one. They have a free prologue to play, like a free demo um, to the to the actual game. Uh, up to level five, I think you can play there. So you can go check it out for yourself. You know, if it's just a free prologue. It's a game that is incredibly heavy inspired, by Little Bit of Big Workshop, which is also a production line management game where you have to balance economy, you're trading your workers, having enough workers, giving them enough break rooms and that sort of stuff. And um, I say inspired by, but it's, it's, and they admit this as well, it's, it's, it's basically a copy of Little Bit Workshop with slightly different things and it's a little bit more sandboxy and you don't have different maps where you have to do stuff. Why not just play Little Big Workshop? And there, there is like a little bit of like a sustainability thing that like you this, have to do where you have to like... screenshots and the footage they've got looks like an very uglier similar. Little Big Workshop. It's very similar. It's, 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 everything is copied. Mostly. The recipes get more complicated. So that's the thing, because it's sandbox. So it's a big, big open area. So you can have really complicated factories later on. Um, and, and the recipes get heckin' complicated. Like, really heckin' complicated. More complicated than they did in Little Big Workshop. So um, that's, that's big props. The sustainability thing is kind of useless, because you just built trees and solar panels and wind turbines, and that's how you're sustainable. And you get a little bit of money back for the electricity that you generate. Um, I don't know. I, like, it is, it is definitely a why not just play Little Big Workshop type thing. But at the same time, because Little Big Workshop isn't sandboxy, like, you can finish that game and then be done with it. So if you want more Little Big Workshop, you can just play Smart Factory Tycoon. Um, definitely need some work, though. 
it is it is also i think it's early access it doesn't say it's early access but it is early access then it's uh, not it, early access it's just a poorly finished product <clears throat> yeah 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 i don't know it's yeah don't, don't give know. finished games credit for being that <clears throat> Well, the thing is, sometimes, depending on how you release stuff on Steam, you can't label it early access, even though it is early access. But that's that's very rarely the case. But anyways. Disagree. Um, <laughs> but okay. No, there's some technical issues sometimes where you can't label it properly. Well, like Dwarf Fortress can't release as an early access game because there is no foreseeable f finished date. No, no, you no. Like, I mean, a, actual... You have to have a reasonable release date to release into early access on Steam. No, it's like, like I mean, like, technical restrictions. Yeah, I mean, like, technical restrictions. But anyways, technical it's, 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 it's beside the point. Yeah, no, technical coding restrictions, where something, because you've done something before differently, you then can't label your game early access because it's done something differently. Like, like if you have a free-to-play game that, elsewhere. that turns pay to, uh, that turns, like, not more free-to-play, but it's pay, you can't label that early access, for example. Like, that's what I mean. You but anyways, it's... actively make something early access, but... Uh, that too, yeah that too anyways um there is there is definitely some stuff that make it worse than little bit workshop that's what i that's what i'm just trying to say there is there's definitely some stuff they, they've copied a lot but they, they they kind of forgot to copy some of the quality of life features a little bit <laughs> workshop has like because right now you have robots in this factory and your robots to get raw resources they will go all the way to the stockpile outside pick up one thing hobble over to the workbench work on that piece and then put it on the stockpile for like in product in production products and then they hobble outside again and pick it up you don't have a raw resource storage inside your factory you waste so much of your production time with them just walking back and forth um and you don't have a distinction between producers and like carriers which a little big workshop had so it is it is it is kind of just an inferior copy but if somebody wants more little big workshop i i guess that's how you get it <laughs> you, you know it's so hard to spin something positive when you're just like being like it's that as good as another video <laughs> because because it does certain things better like for example more complicated production where you have to be smarter about production chains. I like that. But it's definitely not finished or polished. <laughs> okay. It's not. All right. Sorry for being nice or trying to be nice. Because it's not it's all bad. It's just really funny to me. That's all. That's the thing. It's not all bad. No, Fair. there's ups and downs to games. And sometimes they they do things better. And sometimes they don't do things as well. But... It's the nature of games. Exactly. Well, just like games, there's ups and downs to podcasts, and we're going to go to a down period right now and go to a, a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about news this week. Sounds so, good. So um, everybody sit tight, and in a couple seconds, we will be right back. Hey, hey, Bill here. I wasn't here to discuss these sizzling topics this week, but if you want to hear some more of me, you can find me any day at uh, twitch.tv slash or in a future episode. Enjoy the rest of the podcast. And we're back. Once again, this is still the Halcyon Frequency Podcast. It's still the same program that you're listening to, and I don't know why I do that every time. Uh, I'm blind, I'm still hosting, and I'm still joined by Arch, 2D Curie, and FG Squared. 
Um, here in the news today, uh, you can uh, pet the dog in Weird West. Kiri, do you want to take us uh, uh, off with this one from like your on-floor reporting, live on the scene? Absolutely, yeah. So I'm I'm sad to report that I actually haven't seen a dog yet. I was thinking about it, but I've seen and petted horses, lots of them, every single one that I could find, and cows. But I don't recall finding a dog yet, so I'll keep my eyes out. I'll report back next time. I'm looking forward to hearing a back. Horse is just, a horse is just a big dog you can ride anyways. I mean, if you're small enough, enough, you could probably ride a dog too. Um, on the topic of things that you can't pet, uh, E3 is um, canceled this year. Um their online event and their in-person event. Uh, this was kind of hinted at a couple weeks, months back with like uh, them kind of talking and releasing information. Like, hey, we might not have an event this year. And then it was a, we might have only an online event this year. And now it's a, we're having no event this year. Um, does anybody I'll say that I'm surprised. care? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I. Mixed feels. Because that's me, I'm very mixed. I I don't I don't I don't even have mixed feel. Like yeah, sort of. I'm sad that now it's gonna be harder to catch all the different announcements that are going to happen because they're still all going to come together at some point in that time. But it's yeah, just gonna that's... spread out even more, and it's gonna be really hard to catch info. Because that was the nice thing about E3. I don't care about E3 as a whole, but it was all nice and bundled. You'd have the They'd have the threads on like the game subreddit and you could just catch up on everything and all of the, the showcases and whatnot. And it was a nice thing to like uh, maybe watch together with, you know, your community and that sort of stuff. Get drunk um, and play bingo. Well, yeah. the, the thing is, is, is when I look at it, it's like that shifting to an online event had every single publisher and, you know, hardware company out there, um, the big, the big three go well, why are we now competing in an online sphere when we can just have our own event online and oh, yeah. know, not, ha not have to compete? So, I don't know. Like, I love Nintendo Direct and I would love more specific things like that. E3 was kind of a catch-all, but especially as things evolve, I think it's probably good for for a lot of it, lot of, um, lot of places now to sort of space it out. Yeah. Oh no. I'm just thinking as a consumer it's gonna be uh really hard and I vote we all just instead of E three we just all make Devolver Con and there we go. And devolve this industry back down to its independent roots and say, Screw the big corporations, am I right? <laughs> but wait a second, Devolver's technically a corporation. Anyway, moving on. It is it is also pretty big now, but anyway. <laughs> Speaking of big corporations yeah. shutting things down, uh Twitch is shutting down their app. Yeah, so I just uninstalled it earlier. I haven't had it installed for years, which is probably Same. part of the problem. <laughs> I mean, I haven't had it installed since I updated to Windows 10. Yeah, Same. I had it, but I never used it. Well, yeah. So I'm not sure why I had it in the first place. I, I have a few stalwart viewers who use it. Like that insist that like oh well it I've got, I can't you like the 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 thing that they that I always say that catches people out is oh I can't use this because it's not it doesn't work in the Twitch app specifically FFZ and better Twitch TV. Yep. So so just just a quick TLDR for those people who don't know what it is. So Twitch, um, 
made their own sort of community app after no, they Discord purchased the curse really app. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to get to that. Okay. I was get to that. Basically, they made this as a response to uh, Discord becoming really, really popular and basically every streamer having their own Discord community. So what Twitch did, instead of making their own from scratch, they bought exactly the Curse uh, app, which was at the time um, a messaging app and also a way to uh, install Minecraft mods and, and World of Warcraft mods. Exactly, yeah. And, and, and organized it purple and called it Twitch. And called it Twitch. Um, it, it had a few neat things because it was Twitch. So you could like seamlessly switch between service, uh, like community service, uh, and like watching streams. And obviously your e your emotes would automatically work. Um, all your Twitch emotes would work in all of the service because it's Twitch. It's all Twitch's native app. But um, I know they sponsored some people to come over there for a while and run their communities that way. But um, Discord I was king. I never actually figured out how their servers worked, so it was like kind of a null point for me. Um, the, I... only reason, the only reason I installed the Twitch app was to mod Minecraft because yeah. obviously it was originally based on the curse one. Yeah. And then Overwolf so... <laughs> took over and nobody used it anymore. Yeah, yeah, so, um, yeah, that's the only experience I have with the Twitch ad. It yeah, was also they... supposed to be their Minecraft. Steam competitor at one point, and then that whole True, yeah. ship sailed. But yet, to this day, I, I'm i assuming the other partners on this call still have this too, still have the game revenue sales per day uh, in my revenue on Twitch, which is probably just going to be there for all eternity, I assume. Yeah, because yep. theoretically yeah. you can go back like years ago and check how much you made selling yes. games. Right. Zero. zero. <laughs> yeah, same. Same. I straight up um, remember telling people, don't buy games here because that store's not going to last very long. Yeah. yeah and and I, I, I like this. I think this is a good move because I don't think every company needs to compete on every level. No. Twitch needs to accept that Discord is it. Dis Discord needs a competitor, but it shouldn't things... be Twitch. Yeah, exactly. And they you have know, one, and, sort and, of nowadays anyways so i'm not a big fan of them <laughs> i don't even well, i don't even know what the other one is what's the other one this is a side tangent we shouldn't go uh, down but... uh, what is that yeah, called again what... oh god i have a super brain fart i i registered my domain and that's it is this the cast um, yeah. one the something cast because there's a something cast one like power no, cast, no, cast. No, 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 no 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 i saw that at um, pax this in 2019 is, this is the one it. that offered um Offered rewards for people like videoing, destroying their uh, Discord merch and stuff. That okay? Oh, did yeah. they? I hadn't heard that. Never mind. I'm good. <laughs> Let's move on. Yeah, I yeah. Heard that. <laughs> uh, on the on the topic of people offering rewards for things, uh, Epic gave all of their revenue for a couple of days to uh, support Ukraine, um, to, splitting the money between military and humanitarian efforts. And in uh, what roughly a week, they raised a hundred million dollars. Yeah, and they're not finished yet. I, they're still I going. It's mental. It's absolutely mental. What's dead mental. game lol? When I when I first heard about this, I thought that Epic Games was giving all of their revenue, like at the Epic Game Store as well, for like the first minute, and then I read into the articles a little deeper and realized it was only Fortnite. And I'm even I'm just I'm I'm shocked and amazed that one Fortnite is making this much money, still, and two, that video games are now officially the highest 
donating media, like form of media to the war effort that isn't a government. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. that's the thing, you know, you look at that and you're like, oh yeah, nah, Fortnite's still pretty big, huh? And still like, it does, it did coincide with the latest update or the latest season, yep. which meant that everyone was buying the uh, battle passes and such, but and there's also a lot they of did people that diving in that hadn't played in a long time because of this. Exactly. Well, I never they played. That, yeah, they did that knowingly and, of course, yeah. you know, I, th- I think it's absolutely great of them. To, yep. to one do so like let's let's not beat around the bush it is absolutely a pr stunt of one you know we're raising money and two look how much money fortnite makes still um but no i i i look at that and there, there i don't think anything negative in the end of the day i think it's great yeah it's it's fantastic to see you know like humble raised 20 million itch.io did 6 million Fortnite raises a hundred million. Come on, World of Warcraft, do something good for once. Anyway, um, next, uh, uh, Twitch does another good and uh, gets rid of the get gets rid of the worst feature that they thought was a good idea, uh, which is they've suspended paid boosts and boosts in general. I think. Well, it's not it's not the paid boosts that we were grumbling about last year. These are the paid boosts. Well, it's not really directly paid boost. It's the boost that Cohen that that you got while having a hype train. So, because they they changed the the boost feature has gone through like three iterations. First, it was, uh, and that was the best version. Um, raised an amount of channel points, and people get the stream gets promoted on the front page for a little bit on like a special shelf. Um, then that, they came out with the, the bo- that was the best one, yeah hands down then they come up with a brilliant idea to make viewers pay for exposure for their streamers big big dumb move big big bad move it hated it 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 turned out to be 100 percent absolutely just wasted money um like there there i watched a whole breakdown of like where they analyzed um all of the streams that participated in that feat in that in the paid boost beta um two of them grew the rest of them stayed same or shrunk so it had literally zero effect. Uh, and those two streams that grew were already streams that were getting close to like partner requirements anyway. So they were on a upward tra- trajectory before boosts even came out. Um, and then the newest iteration that they came out with like last week was basically uh, limited to smaller creators. Uh, I think up to like third, like like small, like, like affiliate level small. Um, and it was basically... If they get a hype train, that channel would also be promoted on a special shelf on the front page. I just with a little little text on it like this streamer's community is like boosting the stream, and then yes, what what do you want to say? I just want to wonder how many times Twitch needs to learn that giving any sort of power to the communities of people watching winds up being a bad idea because we've not talked about why the boosts were cancelled. <laughs> yeah, so ultimately what happened was uh, on certain channels there were not TOS compliant videos playing, aka porn, and that community decided it would be really fun to see that on the front page. Let's start a hype train and the wouldn't you is- know it... If you they, set your hype trains to the minimum level, two people can start a hype train with three dollars. 
No, no, you need three people minimum. No, you only need two. One person cheers yeah, 100 you bits, do. you cheer 100 bits anonymously. Another yeah, person another cheers person, 100, bits, 100 bits, you have a yeah. hype train. You only need two. Yep. Yeah. Also, a streamer can start a hype train on their own channel by gifting a sub anonymously. Does that actually work? Yes, I do it. Oh, interesting. Okay. And I tell my chat that <laughs> Hold I'm doing on, it. Because, just... like, if, if, like, two people, if one person, um, like, let's just say, cheers a large sum of bits, and then another person resubs, I'll just be like, okay, I'll gift an anonymous sub to pipe train this. Because, like, I, why not? So you guys mm. can get the emotes. Reward, gotcha. reward the community, you know? Yeah. Yeah, like, I'll say that I'm doing it. I don't do it, like, covertly or anything, but, like, it's... Oh, my gosh. Thank you, kind stranger. <laughs> but, yeah, but basically, basically, within a day of the feature going live, there was porn on the front page of Twitch, and now booths are gone. Good. They, they should be gone. I, I think that, like, money is not the thing that should rebalance Twitch. No, I think I think I think they should. I don't know why, but just bring back the original channel points one. It was it was great. It was really good. Yeah. I, I was in that test group. Would and say it, that it, it was fun. It would have been great if it worked properly. <laughs> it was bugged on so many channels, and like I sent, I had to send in three support tickets, and they never fixed it on mine. I never had it. I never had the feature, but I I participated in raising the channel points amount for people, and it was. Honestly, the best, the best version of it, like, it was, it was, there was no, like, no money went in, everybody could participate, regardless of their own financial situation, and it was a good, uh, cool communal experience to get, like, you know, the stream momentarily pushed to a few people. It was fun. Um, yeah. But I, I, I don't think that they should ever implement money into any kind of promotion. I, I think that that's just a net negative regardless. I mean, like apparently my cat also agrees with you on that. Yeah. To, to be fair, theoretically on YouTube, you can do that, right? You can promote, you can pay to promote your own content. But it, it, feels, it feels very, very, very iffy. To, I, to give that option to people. Yeah, I agree. I will say the same thing that I always say about YouTube. YouTube is a very different platform than Twitch. And I think the more that Twitch becomes like YouTube, the worse Twitch will become. Because Twitch's strengths are YouTube's weaknesses, and YouTube's strengths are Twitch's weaknesses, and I think that they are competitors, and at the same time forcing each other to be better and i think that if twitch copies the bad parts of youtube twitch is just going to be worse off oh yeah no i agree i agree i yeah i agree i was just i was just you know bringing it up because we might get some people saying well but actually you know on youtube you can do this <laughs> yeah sorry just you, you can also go bring it up buy google ad space for anything and promote your stream if you wanted true Mm -hmm. That brings us to the cat section of the stream where the cat has their <laughs> own uh, input. But after that, uh, we are now in uh, everybody's favorite section of the stream, the questions bucket. So uh, if, if you want to go leave a question, join our Discord, and you can find that through halcyonfrequency.com, and you can go leave us a question there uh, in, the, in the Halcyon Frequency Discord um, in the questions room. And... Uh, I'm going to just say, Kiri, can you take this first one from Prismatic Flux? Silence. Long silence. <laughs> Arch, can you take this first one from Prismatic Flux? 
Yeah, what is I'm your so dun- oh, yeah, Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> I class and race? I was Kiri, can you take this first one from Prismatic Flux? <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> yes, I can. So they're asking, what is your Dungeons and Dragons class and race? And I just recently looked this up, actually, because somebody asked that in my chat for a Q&A. And the, the last class and race I played was a Halfling Ranger. I am 0% surprised. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> it fits, right? It fits, yeah. Yep. 100%. I am always, always the charisma-based class, whether it's a bard or a paladin. If it mm. involves talking too much, that's me. I can see that. Is Village Idiot a class? <laughs> no, no, it's, it's a play style. It's okay. a playstyle. It's a playstyle, yeah. I'm always the village idiot, but like generally if I have to pick a class in a game, I'm usually some sort of druid and usually some sort of thing that doesn't leave the faraway places, far away from people because I don't like communicating. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> also my pretty current, predictable. My right. current game, though, I'm a uh, rogue, which is a bit different. Ooh. A talkative rogue or a quiet rogue? A very talkative rogue. <laughs> that's, really that's, bad that's rogue. Not... You don't hear me. I'm right behind you, but you don't hear me sneak him up, all right? <laughs> I rolled a 20. It doesn't matter how loud I shout. FG, what, what class are you? So, is DM a class? Because, fun FG fact. FG is God. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, whenever I have so far played Dungeons & Dragons, I have always DM'd. So really, oh, you're a DM. DM. What what's what's yeah. your default class in Skyrim then? Stealth Archer. There is no other class. There is no class. Yeah, I was just gonna say like <laughs> Stealth Archer. There was nothing else. I'll, I mean, that is the correct answer, but I, I suppose so. Um, generally speaking, in games, I I tend to play. All right, let's go. Let's go with what do I play in games. Uh, like for example, like uh, Dark Souls or whatever, uh, sword and board. Boring, sword and boarding, strength dex build. So, yeah, sword and board. Not not paladin, so more like a tank. I guess not, not really tank either. Like just fighter. Yeah, fighter. Yeah, I guess. Um, very boring, but yeah. Or DM. <laughs> Arch, do you want to read this next question that we have from Audio Coaster? Absolutely. Uh, Audio Coaster asks, you get one quest, you get to ask one question to anyone of your choice. Who is it and what's the question? Um, I'll go first with that. My question is to Audio Coaster and is, do we get a truthful answer? Uh, or do we get an answer at all? Because he's, they're, they're, they've not, they've not clarified that bit. Lovely. Oh, I see. I see what you mean. Yeah. Nice. Mm, yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. I came up with something. I want to ask Mystery, my husband, what I'm going to get for Christmas. Surely, Ooh. surely he doesn't know at this point, though. It's April. That is true. <laughs> like, at this point, if someone said, what am I, you know, if I, my birthday is in like two weeks. And if I had to get myself a gift, I still wouldn't know. Uh, I, I can't imagine someone in April having a Christmas gift planned. Yeah, certainly not him. That would be that would be impressive. I'd still like to know though. 
I want to ask me in 2013 why I haven't bought Bitcoin yet. <laughs> oh, Ooh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, all right. I want to, you know, you can also really mess with yourself and ask yourself in the past, you know, go back to 2015 and go, has COVID hit yet? Oh, okay. No, no worries. And just leave it at that. Well, at that point, at that point, <laughs> it was like bird flu, still, wasn't it? <laughs> anyway, I don't know. Um, FG, yeah. who'd you ask? I think too. All right. Assuming he can't answer me, I would go to my cat Panda and ask, "What do you want?" Because <laughs> <laughs> what do you want? You've got food. You've got treats. You've got pets. What do you want? <laughs> That's a good one. Yes. Uh, because he, when I'm streaming, he is just always right there, either in front of the monitor or moving around and meowing and just, yeah. I just, what do you want? His own channel. Probably, yeah. He, he, th he thinks Twitch is for him. Well, mm. I don't know about any of you, but I think that um, I want to uh, take us to the end of the show uh, because, you know, we've been here for almost two hours and that's pretty good show length for a good old podcast. Uh, if you if you want to, um, you know, participate in this section, once again, just go to the Halcyon Frequency website and find the Discord button and click on that Discord and uh, jump into the Halcyon Frequency Discord and ask us a question. Of course, you can also discuss topics there. Let's start at the top and work our way down to the bottom with me last Kiri, where can people find you and your work? Yeah, people can find me on Twitch. I'm 2D Kiri on Twitch, on YouTube, on Instagram, on Twitter, Patreon. I also have a TikTok account now. I haven't done anything, but, you know, you can find me as 2D Kiri. I'm going to say everywhere. And Arch. You can find me as Arch Play Stuff on Twitch and Twitter. I think I have a tiktok somewhere but you know i'm not active on it so don't look for me there you should revive <laughs> that you should make that a thing fg uh where can people find you people can find me everywhere under fg squared and that is instagram patreon youtube twitch tiktok i haven't posted there in a long time but i, I should work on it again uh and i'm also on twitter but on twitter there is a sneaky underscore between the fg and the squared so look look out for that one and you can find me everywhere as B-L-I-N-D-I-R-L. And uh, I've actually been tweeting, so I guess you can follow me on Twitter now. <laughs> um, but uh, oh, aside from I've that... Oh, I've been waiting to do that. Follow me on Twitter? Yeah. Okay. Um, I think, uh, I, I, think I do. Aside from that, uh, the podcast is now available on Audible as of last night, so there's another place you can listen to it. They actually sent us an email inviting us, which I thought was kind of interesting anyway um but um aside from that uh you can find the podcast on any podcast platform of your choice if it's not available somewhere that you like to listen to podcasts reach out and i'll make it available there um if you would like to help the podcast out directly you can do that by leaving us a review on itunes or the platform that you happen to listen to or giving us a follow on spotify and uh aside from that just yell at us on the internet and come watch our stuff um 
I had a thing I wanted to say at the end here, but I'm like blanking on it now. So I guess I'll do it next week. Anyway, I, I guess uh, leave us five stars for a five star runtime for a five star podcast. And we have a meeting to go record now, um, which is completely unrelated. So thank you very much, everybody, for joining us this week. And we'll see you next Sunday. Now, this is where we all bye. harmonize a bye. So goodbye. Oh, I thought we were going to. Bye. 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 <laughs>